0: What the Lord realizes is that we're kind of selfish. So we say, look, I'm going to, you know, I have all these offerings, but I really don't want to give it to the Lord. I want to use it on myself. And so I'm not going to go to the temple because then I have to give it to the Lord. I really don't want to do it. And in a lot of ways, a lot of us do the exact same thing today, where it's like you realize that, the, that all that you have is the Lord's, but you really don't want to give it to the Lord's because you're busy consuming it on yourself, right? And it's the same dilemma because people are people. The circumstances are different, but people are people, right? And you've got to ask yourself the question, are you living a radically selfish life with things that you're supposed to be giving to the Lord?
1: you can probably find them in the hidden recesses of most kitchens, a secret stash of special foods that you don't want to share. Today, Pastor Daniel looks at the human tendency to want to keep for ourselves things that should be shared. You'll be challenged to consider if there are things in your life that you're unwilling to share with the Lord. Pastor Daniel will help you think through this and give to God what he deserves. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 12 as he continues his message, Sacred Space. Jesus
0: I think for a lot of us, we really like just doing what's right in our own eyes. I'm, I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Who are you to tell me what I can do with my life? I'm here to tell you I'm nobody. But Jesus can tell you what to do with your life because you were bought at a price. And you are not your own. Therefore, we need to glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits. He's like, no, no, because really what was going on then is that everybody was worshiping in their own, they were doing it all differently. Everyone, even though they had it it all together, it wasn't solid, it wasn't locked in. And he's saying, "It's, it's not gonna be like that. Where everyone just does what comes to their own mind. Unfortunately, this verse is challenging for us in our culture because we live in such a radically individualistic culture. The autonomy of the individual is the highest priority in our day. And it's true in the church as well. You know. And so we have to say, Lord, I'll never forget my pastor John Henry, who I love so much. I remember there was a, an issue going on in the worship ministry at the church that I was apprenticing at. There was just an issue. And he walked into the meeting, and they're like, well, Pastor John Henry, you're not supposed to be in this meeting. And he's like, well, I am the lead pastor of the church. you know." And he's like, but let me tell you this. I don't care what you want. I don't care what I want. What does Jesus want? And it was amazing, the whole worship team quit that night. You know what? Because they didn't care. They only cared what they wanted. They didn't care what Jesus, they didn't care what they wanted. And I remember, I'll never forget, I was, I was sitting there in that meeting, and he's like, I don't care what you guys want. I'm like, uh-oh. You know? And he's like, I don't care what I want either. What, what does Jesus want for this ministry? And I thought to myself, yeah. Maybe you got to say, I don't care what I want, Lord. I care what you want. What do you want, Lord? And that's what happens when we're not bent on it about being what I want, what's right in my own eyes. You start saying, I don't care what I want. My wants are my own personal Judas anyway. Jesus, what do you want for my life? Oh, brothers and sisters, that we would be asking those type of questions. we saying, Lord, not what I want. Who cares what I want? What I want changes every five seconds anyway. Lord, what do you want? What gives you pleasure in my life? Lord, what is your plans and purposes for me and who I am? So we don't want to have this kind of rugged individualism. Verse 9, for as yet you have not come to the rest of the inheritance which the Lord your God is giving you. But when you cross over the Jordan and dwell in the land, verse 10, that the Lord your God is giving you to inherit, and he gives you rest from all of your enemies round about so that you dwell safely then there will be the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. There you will bring all that I command you. So he's saying, listen, he's like, you're not in the promised land yet. You haven't come to the rest yet, but there's a time that's going to come that you will enter in and I will give you that rest and then I will set this sacred space up for you that you can worship there. Now, look at verse 13 because it says, take heed to yourself that you do not offer your burnt offerings in every place that you see But in the place which the Lord chooses in one of your tribes, there you shall offer your burnt offerings, and there you shall do all that I command you. That line, take heed to yourselves. It's a very common phrase in the Bible. Notice it doesn't say, take heed to your spouse. It doesn't say, take heed to your friends. It says, take heed to who? Yourself. Super important, because you know what's amazing? We're really good at figuring out the mistakes that someone else is making, and we're often the last person to realize the mistakes that we're making. So that's why Jesus said, before you worry about the speck in your brother's eye, take the plank out of your own eye. He's saying, look, you got more than enough to deal with in home base. Let's be honest. We have a tendency to give ourselves infinite grace and give everybody else a hard time. And it shouldn't be that way in the body of Christ. We should know better because we have the scriptures and we have the Lord saying, listen, no, 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 listen. I want to work on you. I'm going to work on them too. But you got enough to deal with on your own. Make sense? Take heed to yourself. Are you taking heed to yourself? Or are you really good at taking heed to everybody else? You always know when someone's not taking heed to themselves because they're really good at taking heed to everybody else. They're worried about everyone else's business. It's like, man, if you took five seconds to worry about your own business, you would realize that you being worried about everyone else's business, that's a sin too. All the things you see in someone else, man, you got your own set of stuff going on. You know, and you know, what? I love the Bible that way because the Bible, it's like, it's got some teeth to it, doesn't it? It kind of messes with you. You know, and every once in a while, like, you know, listen, not like I make the mistake of like, I'm taking heed to Lynn or whatever. And I'm like, man, and the Lord's like, Daniel, you got some issues, man. What are you doing? You like, I got all sorts of stuff I got to do. And you I got like an eternity plan for you, Fusco. We're just in like phase two right now of the renovation I'm doing in your life. You know, and I just feel comfortable because I know that that's the same thing for you. like you're like not even in like the finished carpentry work of the renovation God's doing in your life, man. He's doing some serious demo, right? So take heed to yourself. Let the Lord do what he wants to do in you. And you will be so consumed with what he's doing in us that if we do notice the speck in somebody else's eye, the way we would approach them will be so humble and kind because you're like, listen. Like God is like demoing a whole section of my life right now. So like I'm nobody, but I do love you and I'm concerned about this with you. And it's a whole different approach than, well, let me tell you why you are letting me down or whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it's like, and that whole thing, what it shows is that you're so busy looking at someone else's life that you're not taking the time to look at your own life. And the Bible over and over says, take it to yourself. Look at your own stuff because we all got stuff. Now, in verse 15, look at what it says. "'However, you may slaughter and eat meat "'within all your gates, whatever your heart desires, "'according to the blessing,' this is verse 15, "'of the Lord your God, which he has given you, "'the unclean and the clean you may eat of it, "'of the gazelle and the deer alike. Verse 16, only you shall not eat the blood, "'you shall pour it out on the earth like water.'" You may not eat within your gates the tithe of your grain or your new wine or your oil of the firstborn of the herd, of your flock, and of any of your offerings which you vow of your free will offerings and of the heave offerings by your hand, but you must eat them before the Lord in the place where the Lord your God chooses, you and your son and your daughters, your male servant and your female servants, the Levites who is within your gates, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God in all of which you put your hand. Take heed to yourself, verse 19, that you do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in the land. When the Lord your God, verse 20, enlarges your borders as he has promised you, and you say, let me eat meat, because you long to eat meat, you may eat as much meat as your heart desires. If the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his name is too far from you, then you may slaughter from your herd and from your flock, which the Lord has given you, just as I have commanded you, and you may eat within your gates as much as your heart desires, just as the gazelle and the deer are eaten, So you may eat them, the unclean the clean alike, you may eat them. Only be sure that you do not eat the blood, for the blood is the life, and you may not eat the life with the meat. You shall not eat it. You shall pour down the earth like water. You shall not eat it that it may go well with you and your children after you when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. Only the holy things which you have and your vowed offerings you shall take and go to the place which the Lord chooses. And you shall offer your burnt offerings, the meat and the blood, on the altar of the Lord your God, and the blood of your sacrifices shall be poured out on the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall eat the meat, observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever when you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord your God. Now, this is all about the meat, sacrifices, and the blood that goes along with it. Now, there's a lot in here. But it's important that there's a distinction between the meat that they would eat normally and their offerings, because what the Lord realizes is that we're kind of selfish, so we'll say, look, I'm going to, you know, I have all these offerings, but I really don't want to give it to the Lord. I want to use it on myself, and so I'm not going to go to the temple because then I have to give it to the Lord. I really don't want to do it, and in a lot of ways, a lot of us do the exact same thing today, where it's like you realize that, the, that all that you have is the Lord's, but you really don't want to give it to the Lord's because you're busy consuming it on yourself, Right? And it's the same dilemma because people are people. The circumstances are different, but people are people, right? And you got to ask yourself the question, are you living a radically selfish life with things that you're supposed to be giving to the Lord? You've got to ask yourself these questions. The problem with the day and age we live in, just like the day and age that Moses was speaking to, is selfishness knows no generational differences. We're all just selfish. We're bent on self. And God wants us to be bent on him and other people knowing that true fulfillment comes when you're not self-centered, but when you're God-centered and God makes you other-centered and then all of a sudden you find joy in your heart because you realize when you're trying to make yourself happy, happiness is as fleeting as the air. And many of us, are, we're living proof of that right now. Your whole life is designed around satisfying what you think is the ways to happiness, and every time you do something, like this thing is gonna work, and it never works. Why? Because trying to find happiness is a fool's errand. Happiness is the fruit of walking with the Lord and being a blessing to other people. That's where it comes. But he realizes that when it comes to all these offerings, all the first fruits, the grain of the flock, and, and, and the doctrine of the first fruits is there for the people to always remember who their true sustenance is. It's not that God isn't saying you don't need grain. They did need grain. They needed to provide for their villages and their families. But he's saying you have to realize that I am the Lord of the harvest and the only reason you have any grain is because I have bestowed rain and seed in the proper conditions, the abilities that you have. And so the reason the doctrine of the first fruits is from cover to cover in your Bible is so that we never forget where, who our sustainer is. We never forget who our source is and for many of us the way that we live says that our source is us or our paycheck and we design our whole lives without ever thinking i'm going to give the first fruits to the lord because it's always going to help me with my idolatry problem that's what it does it reminds us that if left up to my own devices i'm going to worship the food that i have or the harvest that i have i'm going to worship my abilities and all these things when you give of your first fruits what you realize is I need to say this. I'm not saying give legalistically because you have to. That's an act of worship that says, I realize that everything I have comes from God. The ability to do anything comes from God. Everything that I have is because I serve a God who is good and does good. And when we start living that way, then you begin to appreciate everything, and you make a whole lot of different decisions because it's not just all self-serving. But the children of Israel struggle with it. We struggle with it today. So there's just a reminder that all the tithe of the grain, you can't eat it at home. You got to go bring it to the temple. You got to bring it to the house of God where he places his name. And I love this because it says, you eat it before the Lord your God in the places where the Lord your God chooses, everybody with you. Verse 19, take heed to yourself and do not forsake the Levite as long as you live in the land. Now remember, this one tribe, the tribe of Levi, their whole their whole inheritance was the lord and the work of the tabernacle they got no land inheritance so the only way their sustenance was actually come from the generosity of the people is unto the lord and they're like don't forsake them don't leave those guys starving because i'm their inheritance and you're selfish and you got to realize part of the doctrines of the first fruits is that the people of god can be a blessing in the world And when you consume everything on yourself, you cut the knees out of the opportunity to be God's hands and feet in the world because you're consuming everything personally rather than having an open hand to being able to to be a vehicle, a flow through which God's blessing enters into the world. See, when people start complaining about the world that we live in, poverty and stuff, my heart always goes to the same spot because you know what God's plan is to bring blessing into the world? The church god's plan a like when someone complains about a terrorism problem i always look at the church yeah the reason we have a terrorism problem is because we've allowed two billion people not to have a gospel witness in their own heart language because we're scared that's why that's why we have it the reason people kill people in the name of muhammad or jihad is because they don't know jesus the reason why people are starving is because people who believe in jesus aren't generous There's more than enough food on the globe, isn't there? There is. There's more than enough money to provide for everybody. See, every systemic institutional problem, I look at the people of God and I say, Lord, can you move our hearts to be like you, to be the change agent that you recreated us in Christ to be in the world? But let's be honest. Most churches can't pay their own bills because of the lack of generosity of the people. Probably, I would say even at Crossroads, maybe 95% of the bills is paid by about 20% of the congregation. And I might be generous in those numbers because there's some people who say, I'm going to honor the Lord, and a bunch of people say, I'm not, I won't. Or they say, I can't, which I always say, no, you won't. There's no such thing as can't. Everything's a choice that we make. But it's so important to realize that our generosity is meant to be pushing outward into the world. Now, from here he starts to remind them of all these different possibilities of what could happen. And he's saying, look, if you live far away, you can not eat it at home, you know, you have all these. But you notice the reoccurring prohibition about the blood, right? And you have to realize that in the Bible, Blood is a very serious thing, and the children of Israel were not allowed to eat the blood because the life was in the blood. Now, some people say, well, the life isn't in the blood. And listen, you have to think, when someone's heart stops beating, the reason their body dies is because the heart's job is to pump blood to be able to give nourishment to all the different organs so the body works. So you can have a great brain, you can have great eyes, but if the heart stops pushing blood to all the different parts of the body, then the body dies, right? Everything else could be great. If the heart stops working, the blood stops flowing, and the body dies. So the reason he says the life is in the blood is because the blood is the vehicle to get the nutrients to keep the body alive. Now, in the time of Moses, in more primitive cultures, and it still goes on today, it's really sick, but people realize that if they drink the blood of an animal, they're imparting that animal. And, And for some of you who maybe read about witchcraft and different things, or maybe some of you have been involved in that, you realize that that's a very real thing. But the children of Israel are never supposed to drink the blood, ever. The blood's always supposed to be poured out because the life is in the blood, why? Because God is the life giver, not the life taker. So God loves life. But you realize that with a whole history of that, when Jesus comes on the scene and Jesus says something like, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Everyone freaks out and leaves. Because Jesus didn't really say, I want you to drink my blood. What he's saying is that I want you to become one with my broken body and my shed blood because in my death you will have life, which is all the way through the sacrificial system, isn't it? That God accepts a substitute in place of the offender so that the offender may go free. Every animal that is offered, the animal is a substitute for the death of the offender. And all of that is designed to point us right to Jesus. It's all designed. The entire sacrificial system, if you read the book of Hebrews, all of it is type and shadow. It points us to the finished work of Jesus. Now I'm going to finish this chapter. Look at verses 29 to 32. It says, When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land, take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, that, and that you do not inquire after their God, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord, which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it, nor take away from it. So there's the reminder not to worship false gods. And what the Spirit of God realizes that we have a tendency to get bored with things, and so we begin to dabble in new things, right? He's saying, listen, I don't want you, after you go in the land, you dispossess all these people, and the land becomes yours, I don't want you to begin to be inquisitive about how they worship and say, I want to do the same thing. See, we do this. We kind of have that itching ears, right? We kind of like novelty. We like something new. The same old, same old gets boring for us, And so there's a part of us that wants something new. And and God realizes the children of Israel are going to go in and they're going to say, hey, I wonder how those nations worshipped. And that sounds really interesting. I think I want to do that. Right? And the Lord reminds them that the way that they worshipped was an abomination to him. So much so, he gives the example of the way that they worshipped a God called Molech. And Molech, they would offer child sacrifices to Molech. That's so what they would do. They would offer child sacrifices. And what's amazing is if you read through your Bible, you will find that by the time of First and Second Kings, that even the great King Solomon built a temple to Molech. That you have some kings, King Ahaz, in 2 Kings 16 of Judah gave his son to be sacrificed to Molech. King Manasseh, Gave his son to be sacrificed to Moloch in 2 Kings 21. But all this happens because they're not hearing the word and obeying it. You notice how this little section ends here. It's so word. Verse 28, observe and obey all these words which I command you. They knew what it said. They just didn't obey it. And brothers and sisters, listen. What do you know that you're choosing not to follow? That's where this message landed for me. It's like, Daniel, what do you know but you're not following? What is something that you already know that this is God's will for me that you're not walking after today? And well, I want you just to take that thing and just write it down. Write it in your journal. Write it on your, send yourself a text. Just say, start obeying in this area. And just start there. Just take that step with the Lord. Because the children of Israel, they had this. I mean, this is, they've known this stuff. But sure enough, a bunch of years later, they're not following it at all. And in the same ways, many of us, there are things that we stopped doing a long time ago that we have picked back up again. We're not doing it all the days of our lives. And I believe God wants to do a transformational work in each one of us. And that's what I love about the Lord. That every day and every minute, is the next time to take the next step. That's it. God's just saying, just take the next step with me. So we talk here, it's about simply responding to Jesus, right? Talk about it all the time. It's like our one string guitar that we play here. Because literally, that's all God wants. You're hearing the word, God wants you just to simply respond. Just with the knobs on your side of the wall, just take that step. And later tonight, guess what? He's going to give you the next step. You just take that step. And tomorrow morning, he's going to give you the next You take the next step. And if we can keep taking that step, so that's what you call the walk of faith.
1: Jesus is real. Pastor Daniel wrapped up today's message by asking you if there's something that the Lord already told you to do that you're not doing. He challenged you to take action on what you already know. Pastor Daniel urged you to simply respond to Jesus step-by-step in this one area. This is what it looks like to walk with the Lord, following His leading as you go through your everyday life, saying yes to the things He's putting before you.
0: Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page. That website again is JesusIsRealRadio.com
1: Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will share that your walk with the Lord is under constant attack from the outside. He'll explain that false prophets, family, or friends, and the culture you live in can all work against you following hard after the Lord. You need to be aware of the pitfalls and guard yourself against the temptation to give in and fit in. God's way may be harder in the short run, but it's always worth it. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Blueprints. Please glance at the clock right now. Make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.